Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. for tuning in to another episode. I'll keep this intro short today. I just really want to thank everyone who's taking the time to listen, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm speaking with Mr. Jason Stepina, who's one of my dearest friends in the world. And the reason I wanted to go ahead and, and publish this is because I think having conversations around healing is incredibly important. And, you know, there's so much racial tension right now. And it's, I, I don't even know how to address it as a white woman. I, I don't, I almost feel like I shouldn't even try because I'll probably, you know, mess it up or say the wrong thing. You know, what I will say is that I, I also just don't want to be silent about it and pretend it's not happening. I don't think that's okay at all. And you know, what's happening isn't okay. And I think if this gets us all in gear to really examine our views on, on racism and racial equality, equality and what we can do, uh, you know, I think that's good. I think clearly it needs to be examined. So, you know, and my heart just goes out to God, to, to people of color and to minorities who deal with this inequality every single day and do, do my part. And I, I'm still trying to figure out what that is quite honestly. I will post some resources in the show notes that have come to me from various sources uh, regarding this topic and some ways that we can begin to look at, you know, our views on racism and ways that we can help people of color if you're white like I am and just ways to, to be in the conversation. And like I said, I'm still learning. So, you know, you're listening to me stumble through this right now. But again, I, I don't want to ignore it or pretend it's not happening. But I wanted to go ahead and put this episode out. Jason's been studying this healing modality over in Bali for the past three years, I think. And it's tremendous to hear him talk about it. And I I think just conversations around healing are, are good and are important. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, please pass this on to a friend. Please like and subscribe as always if you enjoy the show. And without further ado, we will get going. Hi, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And I have a very special guest with us today, um, Mr. Jason Stepina. He is a Shiva Murti healer, among other things, and he also happens to be one of my very best friends on the planet. So I'm excited I get to spend some time chatting with him today and hearing and sharing about the work that he does. Hi, Jason. Hi, Alice. This is so cool <laughs> and so exciting. I love this. <laughs> I know. It's really fun. Um, and for those of you just listening, uh, if you have a chance, I would say go check out the video on YouTube as Jason has this beautiful background and these lovely yellow flowers. And so visually, it's quite pleasing. Um, and so Jason, I know we're going to get into a couple topics today, but I'd love for you maybe just to tell us a little bit about what Shiva Murti is. Yeah, sure. So Shiva Murti is a healing modality that comes from Bali, Indonesia. And so it has its roots in Hinduism. Bali has its own form of Hinduism. Um, and so it's a form of healing energy medicine where um, you really connect to this divine energy. And we can talk about more about that later on too, but there's like a whole practice involved. Um, 
the people of Bali and the culture there is so deeply connected to totality and divine or Brahma or whatever you want to call source um, that these energies are just really powerful. I've, I've studied other energy medicines like Reiki and polarity therapy. And this one is pretty incredible. It's just like on steroids. It's, it's strong stuff for sure. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I definitely would love to hear more about it. And I'm curious, what, what kind of changes have you noticed in yourself since you've been practicing Shiva Murti and engaging with some of this energy and working with the energy? Because um, as you said, you, I know you've done different healing modalities and been involved in a number of um, spiritual practices. So I'm curious with the, the onset of bringing Shiva Murti into your, your realm and your healing practice, what you've noticed personally. Yeah, I mean, my connection to sort of, I've had a meditation practice for a long time, and this has just really amped up my my connection, my deep connection to totality. Um, you know, in Bali, they are so connected, like each restaurant, hotel, everything like has its own altar. Every home has its own like little temple. And like, they're constantly in devotion and prayer. And um, my teacher there, Ratu Nabe, like, his daughter posts videos of him. He's constantly chanting and in connection, like every day doing ceremony every day. And so I just think like this connection, um, this, they've created this, this opening that's so large. And so when you plug into it, you're just like, wow, you know what I mean? You really, <laughs> you really feel it. Um, so it's definitely changed uh, my spiritual practice and also to my, my healing practice. Like my focus has been, uh, deep tissue mixed with energy medicine, usually Reiki. And I also have other energies that have come to me through my meditations. And so mixing like deep tissue, like the very tactical with energy work has just been very um, beneficial to my clients. Like they love it. And it seems to be very effective, but mixing deep tissue with Shiva Murti, that's like next level. And so it's definitely changed my practice as well. That's so great that you're able to bring this, traditional and ancient healing method from Bali into like your, your practice in um, Jason's in Los Angeles. So it's, you know, an urban area and a lot of busy people. And to be able to bring some of this, this healing, ancient healing work into that realm, I think is, is really needed and really neat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd love to just kind of backtrack a little bit to how you got started. I know you mentioned you're a deep tissue massage therapist. And of course, I, I know that about you. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but Jason and I actually met at massage school many, many years ago. So um, we went to the school called the Heartwood Institute. And it was way up in the mountains in Northern California and Humboldt County. And um, it was like this really neat healing environment and everyone around the school, like all oh, were marijuana farmers. And this is back before <laughs> like, weed was legal. I don't, do you remember like that initial orientation and they were like, don't walk off the property. It's not safe. I do remember that. <laughs> well, uh -huh. I, was like, I was like, why? Um, but maybe you could share a little bit with the listeners um, about what brought you to Heartwood and, and kind of what started you on this healing journey in, in the first place and this journey towards doing healing work with others in the form of massage therapy and then later bringing in more of these um, energetic practices. Yeah. So, you know, I moved to Los Angeles when I was pretty young. I was 19. And um, I don't know, I just got that hit with that wave of, of you know, seeking. There's uh, a very famous, well, there was a very famous bookstore here called The Bodhi Tree. 
so I just got into that. Like I got into like reading books and like hearing about all these crazy things like astral projection and meditation and like, you know, the chakras. And it's like, what is this? Like, it's so, it sounds so exciting. And I want to be a part of that world. Um, and I figured massage therapy was a way, like a path into that world as like, you know, it's like a career and also sort of a spiritual path. And I was like, that sounds pretty great. So I ended up at the massage school of Santa Monica where I was taking like their basic certification program. And one day I was in class and there was a random woman there and she wasn't part of our group or anything. I think she was there like making up hours and we only talked for a few minutes and she was like, you know what, you need to go to this place called the Hartwood Institute. And I was like, what's that? She's like, it's this magical school, like way <laughs> up in the mountains and uh, you live there and eat, you know, three vegetarian meals a day and just get saturated and like all kinds of spiritual practices. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I found Heartwood. And uh, I never saw that woman again. We only talked like five minutes. <laughs> I, that's so crazy. Like there's random encounters that just completely change your life. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, then we went up there and that's where we met. Like day it, one. Yeah, I know. It's so fun. Um, yeah. Because we started with uh, the Shiatsu program. Mm-hmm. We were both studying the Chinese medicine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Studying meridian theory. And uh, we had our, our uh, daily meditation practice. Like, remember, we had to go and, like, meditate for 20 minutes every day. Yeah. Gosh, I wish somebody, uh, I almost wish. Meditation. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It was, very, it was very austere. <laughs> yeah. So it was very dry. It was very dry meditation. <laughs> I remember, like, I don't, I think I blocked that out. I don't think I, enjoy, <laughs> I don't think I enjoyed that particular kind of meditation practice. The only thing that um, I like really like sort of appreciate about that is that like I feel like meditation is kind of like riding a bike hmm. where once you feel like once you're like experience being in the zone like you have a reference point it's like oh that's what it feels like to like be in the zone. I feel like being forced to like do that dry <laughs> meditation every day like allowed me to get to that point where I, I knew, I know what the zone is. You know what I mean? Mm. And you like really drop in. So I do appreciate that, but that, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, austere, but I love how, I mean, we just had this conversation the other day when I was asking, asking you how you have such a this strong sense of like intuition and connection. And I've admired that about you for a long time. And you mentioned Cause I, I would love more of that, you know, and, and just being able to really know like, okay, this is, this is what I think is going to happen next. Or like, I've, I feel okay with what's happening now because I trust, I feel like you have a, a really good sense of like trust in your life. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about your own meditation practice or other things that have really allowed you to develop and maintain that. Yeah, I mean, one of the major things, I mean, we haven't gotten to this yet, but, you know, I'm uh, sober and, um, and one of the things that I do in my anonymous program is we talk about surrender. And so I've sort of taken that and like plugged it into my spiritual practice in a way that's like super intense. And this might sound crazy to people, but like, I like, when I, before I do my meditation, I surrender everything. So I say like, mm. I surrender my mind, I surrender my thinking. I surrender my heart. I surrender my body. I surrender my relationships. I surrender my finances. Like I just, I go through and just sort of imagine everything going into like the opening into the divine. I just like surrender it all. And that like really intensifies my connection. Hmm. And as that connection gets more and more intensified, like my intuition grows stronger. 
And so I do that every morning before I do my, my regular meditation. Oh, so I feel like you have like a multi-step meditation practice because then oh I know gosh, you do. Oh my gosh, it's gotten so like complicated, especially now as Chief of Mercy, like there's a right. whole like elaborate practice that goes with that. So like my mornings are pretty full. <laughs> <laughs> Meditations and chanting and firing up and Kundalini, <laughs> and it's insane. It's <laughs> great it's though. Because, yeah, I mean, clearly you have so many benefits. Um, Cause yeah, I feel like I'll listen to you talk and I don't know. I'll share something that's maybe stressful about my life or, and, but then I'll listen to how you kind of share what's going on in your life. And you just seem to have this, yeah, this built in like ability to really trust, you know, whatever it is that's going on. And that I've, I've, you know, having known you for quite a while, like watch that sort of just guide you. And it seems like you're able to really be in this nice flow with your life as far as what's coming next and uh, being able to really open and trust that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone has like an internal GPS system mm-hmm. that tells them where to go. It's just about really connecting to it because it's so quiet. Like our minds are so loud and our minds are mostly based on like trying to, to protect us. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of fear that comes with what our mind tells us. But like that GPS system is just like a quiet whisper. So it's like getting quiet to be able to hear it is important. But I think we all have it. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that really, and bringing more into my own practices and the work that I do is tuning in, yeah, to our internal GPS and allowing our body to really do its job of being a barometer. Um, but I, I appreciate that, what you just said about surrendering everything too. I really like that as a practice. It's the first time I've heard you share that. And do you, I I'm asking this just because I'm really curious, like when you surrender everything, do you, I know you said you kind of visualize it. Do you say anything in particular or do you just kind of imagine all of this stuff like coming out of you and going to like into the earth or? Yeah. Like I, like I, I, I use the word God, like I surrender everything to God and I just use it as a shorthand. I know it can be like a loaded word for some people, but for me, it's just like the shorthand for totality, Brahma, zero point, quantum field, like whatever you want to call like it. And then, so like, I have just through continuing to build this connection, I've created like a pinpoint Hmm. into, you know, the everything. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I just, like I said, I use the word God and I just, you know, surrender. Like I said, I, I imagine myself surrendering everything. I love that. I'm going to try that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of ease that really can come with that sense of surrender or of like, you know, giving things up to God or, yeah. I know that it is a, tr- a tricky word, but just the idea of releasing it from our own control as like a, this one single human, you know, trying to manage everything. I think it can get really overwhelming and yeah. oftentimes it's just not realistic or practical either. I know we like to think we have control over what's happening in our lives, but yeah. I think that's something the pandemic has really brought up for a lot of people is this very like stark reality of oh no we don't really have control and i don't really think we ever have that much control really but this has really Mm -hmm. brought that forefront um which i I was just watching this uh youtube video about uh taoism i'm Uh totally gonna like murder this this quote or whatever but it talks about not trying Hmm. that like you know to be like in the flow of life and to not try like if you're pushing and trying it things don't always work out and it makes things harder and this idea of not trying. And the idea is that, you know, oftentimes we have a problem in our present and then like two years later, everything worked out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like all our problems usually figure themselves out and work themselves out without having to try to to do too much. 
And so, yeah, I like this idea of like not trying. Um, and I think the pandemic has brought that up. Like we can't really do anything. You just have to go in the flow. Right. Yeah, we really do. I like that reminds me too of a, the Qigong practice because I've been really re um, reignited or reunited with my Qigong practice during this pandemic and teaching my daily ritual and that idea of just being like supported, but then going with this flow. And so you're not really efforting your way through the movements. It's like you're being guided and you're allowing these movements to come through you, but it's without effort or without force. And I yeah. like that as a, um, just kind of as a, as a metaphor for life too. Yeah. That's an awesome way to articulate it. Yeah. Thanks. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'd love to hear more too about your journey with your sobriety and kind of how that factored in. And, you know, as much as you'd like to share about, about that, I, I think since this is a recovery based podcast, people are always yeah. interested to hear how, totally. you know, people have come to sobriety and, and how it's changed your life. Yeah. So I went back and forth to Hartwood for a while. Like, you know, I think it was like a year or so that I kept going back and forth, maybe a little longer. And, um, so after I got back, I just started partying like a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> I was young and like, I had like this whole like bohemian artist fantasy that I was living out and I had a bunch of friends and we would like stay up for days on end and paint and make art. And then, you know, the sun would come up and we'd go to the beach and like, we just had a lot of fun. And so that went on for a while, but then it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, I really couldn't take care of myself. Um, I just felt empty on the inside, you know, that kind of drug use just drains you spiritually, emotionally, everything. And, and I was having moments of clarity, like, you know, you have so much potential and you're just getting wasted all the time. Um, but it took me a little while. And then finally I was like, you know what? Drugs are the problem. I'm going to like, just give that up and drink like a normal person. And then, <laughs> I'll That'll pull my life it. together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the solution. So then, yeah, then I ended up drinking like all the time. <laughs> my drinking was out of control. And I was like, this doesn't work either. And I'm like, so non-functioning. Like, I know a lot of people can like, you know, hold down jobs. And like, you know, I've heard of people like coming in and getting sober. Like, yeah, I went to grad school, you know, and I got yeah. a law degree. Like, wasted. <laughs> and I was like, God bless you. Because <laughs> I could barely work like an hour. So anyways, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so like I, you know, finances, couldn't take care of myself, emotionally, spiritually empty. And yeah, I needed, I needed, and I was trying to get sober on my own and I couldn't do it, which freaked me out. Um, and so I was like, I need help. So then, you know, I ended up um, joining an anonymous program and started my path there. And um, yeah, it's been a long and windy road. It was, it was tough. I'm gonna take a little drink of water, but um, no water allowed. You got to just talk for this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it took me like six months to get 30 days, and I kept having this feeling, like this coming up, and I was like, it was so intense that I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need a drink, and I had no idea what was coming up. Uh, but finally, um, you know, I heard my sponsor speak, and he had a similar story. And I realized that I had this uh, childhood trauma that I'd never talked about. And so it was trying to come to the surface. I didn't realize what it was. And so finally I talked to my sponsor about it and that was like enough, like sharing with another human being to like be able to stay sober after that. Hmm. Hmm. And yeah, I was able to stay 
you know, had get continuous sobriety after that. But I mean, it was still really hard. Like I had terrible anxiety when I first got sober. I was have I would have anxiety attacks. Um, I remember like you know being outside of a meeting and like so scared to go in. Hmm. And my sponsor like texted me and was like, "Where are you?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm outside in the car." <laughs> He's like, "Get in here." <laughs> can't do it. Uh-huh. It was, it was really hard in the beginning. A lot of anxiety. I think but... I, I was around you in early sobriety and I was still drinking at that time. So I think I was just oblivious to what you were mm-hmm. going through. And you always, yeah. you know, I always think of you as being so well modulated. I don't, I don't remember. I remember going to a meeting when you were within your 30 days. And then I, I think we went to Stephanie's wedding when you oh, were right. in, er, in early sobriety. Cause I think you were smoking cigarettes then as many of us yes. do when, when sobriety I started, too. I started smoking when I first got sober. Yeah. Me Cause too. I like have, I have cravings, you know what I mean? And then I smoke a cigarette. I'm like, Oh, everything yeah. takes the edge off. <laughs> um, but I mean, you handled that so beautifully. How long have you but been sober? I don't sober? smoke anymore. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> but sometimes I really still crave a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> What was that question? Oh, how long have you been sober now? Oh, so it's been 12 years. I knew um, it was over 10. Yeah, yeah. So crazy. Time flies. Yeah, that's wild. And it's, mm-hmm. um, I know I mentioned Jason, I've been friends for a long time. When we were at Hartwood, where we met, I think that was over 20 years ago now. Yeah. So it's been, yeah. mm-hmm. so we had a lot of days of partying and then now we have really fun sober adventures. So it's neat to see the I know our lives kind of parallel. Yeah. I love that. Because we were both kind of in school at the same time and like, yeah, like later on. It's, it's interesting. It's been great. And I just, before we hopped on, I was, um, I was being interviewed on a, a podcast, a sobriety podcast called the way out podcast, which is really cool. And I was sharing a little bit about my sobriety story. And I just, I was like feeling so much love for you because Jason was such a, like a pivotal person and me getting sober. And I, you know, sometimes I'll tell the story about how I sort of fled to Hawaii, like right in the, the final stages of my drinking and demise and just being really desperate and sitting by this river and thinking I was going to die. And I remember texting you and being like, I think I'm going to die. And you were like, Oh, just pray, just pray for guidance. You'll be okay. And I feel like that really like was the, the line that pulled me, you know, pulled me out. And, um, yeah. And then the, for the first ever, um, recovery meeting I went to was to hear a friend of yours speak and that really yeah that's right mm-hmm. changed my whole life I've been sober since that day yeah so, Jacob he's yeah. got a powerful story yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was it, I mean it really it really changed my life yeah so yeah wow I know so great so exciting <laughs> I know <laughs> I know it is exciting oh my god I love being sober not in the beginning but now it's like oh I just it's, love the clarity yeah and being it's, so yeah it's just easier too to not be like now when I have anxiety and I watch myself, I was doing this this morning, like obsess over certain things. I'll sort of take that step back and be like, Oh, well, at least I'm not obsessing ridiculously over alcohol and like how exhausting that was and yeah, how mm-hmm. all consuming that was. Um, yeah. 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 Being sober is way better. And I have a lot more energy, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know you, so you mentioned we were in school around the same time, and I think you went into graduate school, or no, you were getting your undergraduate in, yeah, for art. Like, after I got sober, um, you know, I was like, 
I need to catch up. I need to like go back to school. You know what I mean? You have that feeling mm-hmm. when you get sober. And, uh, and like I said, like I had that the whole experience, you know, while using where, you know, I was painting and making art and I really have a passion for art. So I was like, oh, I'll go to art school. So I ended up going to UC Irvine um, to get an art degree. And so, yeah, so I went through that whole program there and then I was gonna um, uh, go straight into grad school. Um, but at the end, when I was finishing my undergrad, I was having like all these health issues. I, I call it my hysterical hernia because mm-hmm. I was having like all these stomach issues and I had like this bulge. And so I was seeing specialists and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I mean, this is oversharing, but like I had a colonoscopy and like, it was like a whole big thing. And um, so anyways, on the same token, I had a friend there um, who's like an amazing psychic and Reiki master and medium. And he was giving me all these sessions. His name is Mel Pruneda. And one time, this is going to like sound so <laughs> to your, <laughs> Bring it to your on. Listeners, probably, but it's my story. So, um, so yeah, so we're doing all these Reiki sessions. And then one time I was in a, in a session and, you know, you sort of like go into these deep states and you sort of leave your body. Um, and so, you know, I was traveling around and I f- saw this cave and there was all these eyes in the cave. And then, so, you know, I can't kind of came back after the session and I told them, I was like, you know, I saw this cave and there's all these eyes in the cave. And he was like, those are your spirit guides. Hmm. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, do you want to meet them? And I was all, uh, sure. So again, he like did a bunch of Reiki on me, got me into that deep state. And then, yeah, I, I met my spirit guides and like we conversed and they were like, you're a healer. That's hmm. why you're here. You need to move back to Los Angeles and start your healing practice again. And um, which totally freaked me out because my train was going in a totally different direction. Like I was all planning to apply to grad school. I was living in Orange County. So my practice here in Los Angeles was done. Um, and so the idea of switching gears and trying to rebuild my business in Los Angeles sounded really scary, but I listened to that guidance. I moved back to Los Angeles and rebuilt my business and the clients all came in. Uh, I was totally fine. All those medical issues went away mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, so it was obvious that that was, that was my path. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's so, I love hearing things like that. I'm curious too, like what's your take on like the medical issues going away? Was that, do you think that just was like a, some kind of internal resistance or you're like your being not going on the path that was really most aligned for you? What do you think that was? Well, it's interesting because when I went to Bali and worked with my teacher there, Ratunabe, he shared a similar experience. Like I didn't even tell him this experience, but yeah, like he wanted to be a bodybuilder. Wow. <laughs> all things. Yeah, it's super cool. Like, um, so, but he didn't want to be a healer. And then he started having all these medical issues and he got into like a bike wreck and like all this stuff happened to him. And he says it's a, it's a call to be a healer. Often healers go through this where like it's like okay it's time to change course it's Hmm. time to do what you're meant to do here so it was interesting to hear that he had a similar story it is yeah i didn't know that yeah and just uh just to like bring it back to the spirit guide thing sure um so after that you know of course i'm like a junkie when it comes to white light experiences or anything that's gonna (laughs) you know help me explore my consciousness so i actually studied how to do that and i started taking people and to meet their spirit guides and whatnot. And so, you know, just to like clarify like the woo-woo part, like they would come out and they would be like, um, 
the information I got is incredible and it's so accurate, it's so bizarre. But they're like, how do I know it's not my subconscious? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I don't think it really, it really matters. Like, um, what kind of lens you look at it with? Like, if you're getting positive information and accurate information that's helping you in your life, then I don't think the lens really mm-hmm. matters. Have you ever had anyone, I agree. I don't think it does either. Um, have you ever had anyone come back with like scary type experiences? Like, I'm just wondering if that could be potentially problematic. No, mm-mm. that's good. They've all had very like loving messages mm-hmm. and, and guidance when they've come back. I love that. Um, and I know like Ho'oponopono and some of those, uh, well, I know specifically Ho'oponopono, but I think in other, some other um, systems as well, like you'll talk to your subconscious almost like your inner child or your small child. So I think, yeah. I think you're right. Anything that we can tap into that gets us out of this like neocortex and cognitive brain of like executive thinking and high functioning. Um, totally. I think anytime we can drop below that, I think we do have access to a lot more like innate wisdom. Yeah. And I'm totally all for direct experience. Like I'm all about like, you know, sort of using my mind, my body and my consciousness as a laboratory Mm. And trying like different techniques and different things for myself and seeing how I experience it. I think yeah. direct experience is, is important. Definitely. I, someone I talked to um, a while ago, I think she was my 10th episode, Kirsten Johnson, Johnston. She talked a lot about how like the doing the self experience is the experiment. And that is kind of creating our own realm of like, like evidence-based practices. If exactly. you know, I try this thing and it works on me and it works on me 10 times, there's my body of evidence. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. trying that again for other people. And if you want to, if that's the work you're in to see if you can replicate it. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. I want to go meet my spirit guides. I didn't know you did that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't done it in a while. I studied uh, with, actually I studied with, uh, an incredible psychic medium teacher that taught me like she has like uh-huh. spirit classes her name is Deborah Hookie mm. she teaches in Orange County but yeah she taught me how to do it and so I was doing it uh, for people for a while but um, but yeah my calling is more like physical healing and mm. emotional healing but um, yeah I kind of let that go but I'll definitely I'll do that for you <laughs> cool I know yeah. I feel like that maybe that'll help with my intuition when I need it yeah um and so it sounds like you've had quite a few of these profound spiritual experiences or almost the way you talk about it. It's like they're subtle yet profound. Um, and I was wondering if you had any other like pivotal points that kind of have guided your life or direction aside from the ones that you've mentioned. Yeah, just the next one is like, so when I got back to Los Angeles and rebuilt my practice, I was like, okay, now what? And, you know, I was doing, like I said, uh, like a lot of deep tissue work mixed with energy medicine. And I had clients that I was helping and healing, but like they would constantly have to come back. So like it would heal them, you know, they would hurt their shoulder and they would be fine. And then they have to come back in like a few weeks and the, the shoulder would be hurting again. So I kept asking, like, I want something that's more substantial, more, you know, profound. And I was like, you know, so then I, that's when I got into Shiva Murti. So mm-hmm. Shiva Murti came to me because uh, a friend of mine introduced me to this woman, Candace Silvers, and she had been going to Bali for over 10 years. So Bali is known for its master healers. Like I said, like their connection to divine is, is really strong and they have a tradition of healers. 
and and plus they're a third world country so they can't really afford western medicine so they've really continued this ancient medicine mm. and so she like went around bali looking for these master healers with a translator and over time she found you know a handful of them and so what she was doing she was doing retreats where she would take people to get healings and have the experience but uh after a while she's like she wanted to find who taught it and she sent her translator out and like, go find me, like who teaches this work? And so it took her another couple of years, but she found Ratu Nabe, who mm. agreed to teach her. So she didn't think it would work. You know what I mean? She's like, you know, I'm from the West. I'm, you know, uh, it won't work, but I want to have the experience of learning how to do it anyways. And she, you know, he taught her and initiated her into it. And, and then she could do it. And so then like the next year she brought two people to get initiated and to learn it. And then the third year she brought a group of us, uh, 20 of us to learn it and get initiated. And yeah, that was almost two years ago. So you've been to Bali a couple times, right? To continue yeah. to deepen your learning. Exactly. Cause it's such a deep and rich uh, tradition that there's so much to learn. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what kinds of, what kinds of things have you noticed in the clients that you're working with since you, you've been adding the Shiva Murti in? Well, for instance, like I had a client uh, that had really bad arthritis in his hand and like, you know, even had like a little bump on his mm. thumb. And this is something that I couldn't really do anything with when it comes to massage therapy. Like, you know, I could do some massage, but it really couldn't help arthritis. Um, but yeah, I did a healing on his hand and he said within a week, the bump went away and all the pain went away. Hmm. And like I had another client that I've had for years and years and years with back issues. And again, I would help his back for a period of time, but then, you know, it always come back again. And so he came in and he was actually going to do Vipassana, mm -hmm. uh, which is like a 10 day meditation retreat where you're sitting for 10 days. And he was really scared about his back. So I did a healing on him and he said he went on the retreat, had no back problems, and then texted me a couple months later and said, my back is still feeling amazing. Wow. So, yeah. And then also works on emotional stuff. I also had another client that was having, like, a lot of heart issues and was having, like, pain in his heart, like, emotional pain. And the Shira Murti also really helped with opening that. Hmm. Um, he was working with a therapist at, at the same time because as it opened, you know, things came to the surface. But, yeah, it also works on the emotional level as well. That's fascinating. What yeah. do you get a, a lot of resistance? I don't know. Cause LA I think is open to a lot of alternative healing and um, things like yeah. that. But I'm curious if you do run into resistance from other massage therapists or other um, say physical therapists, for example, or other people within the sort of the healthcare profession around like doing a modality that isn't as recognized in the West or, or how you manage that if it does come up. I mean, it's a little tricky, like being a pioneer, being like one of the first people to bring in, because everything like yoga is a household name now, which mm -hmm. before when that first came, everyone was like, what is this crazy thing? And like Reiki <laughs> is kind of a household name now. So it's like, so bringing something brand new in is tricky because you really have to explain what it is. And I definitely like have to like show people like, I'll, you know, um, but yeah. And some people like don't have any interest. They're like, no, thank you. I just want a massage. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but yeah, then some people are really into it, especially when I'm able to do it on them. They're like, whoa. Yeah. And I think, again, when you start seeing results like that, it's hard to 
yeah. hard to argue with, well, we did this and it, you know, this yeah. is what happened following that experience. Yeah. Um, and then I'm curious too, because I know you spend a lot of time in nature and we've certainly spent a lot of time in nature, hiking and camping and having various adventures. Um, like how that factors into your spiritual practice. I've been really big into this idea of falling in love with nature. And I interviewed uh, Bruce Perry a couple weeks ago and, you know, he's lived with tribes all over the world and is this really fascinating guy. And, you know, I was talking with him about like, how do we, you know, how do we care more about the environment and how do we care more about having connection as humans, you know, so that we can stop some of like the anger and the hatred and like all of these things that tend to like threaten to overtake us. Um, so I guess yeah. this is my, and so like part of his answer when I, when I asked him this question is like, I, I think we need to all fall in love with, with nature a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious how, I don't know, like how that the role of like nature in the outside world and the natural world has also played a part in your personal healing journey. And if you, if that factors into the work that you do at all. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about that, it actually brings me back to Hartwood. Mm. Cause we were like secluded, like in nature, in the mountains, and there was no distractions as far as like, we didn't have cell phones yet. I'm totally dating us. Sorry, but we didn't have cell phones yet. <laughs> we're old. Laptops. Uh, <laughs> and there was no, actually, you know, no, no advertisements. There was no billboards. You know, there was no, you were just in nature for a long period of time. And for me, like my consciousness would just expand. And I remember one time in particular, um, I was hiking on that trail that like sort of the road trail that goes up mm -hmm. and like the wind was blowing through the trees and like I could feel the wind like in the leaves like like my consciousness was in the tree mm. that's how like expanded out it had, it had become so I feel like when we're here in the city it's like we bring it way in to protect ourselves because we're getting bombarded with so much data and information and like advertisements and you know, people. And so, you know, on our phones, keep us like really close. Um, so I think it's so important to get out in nature, just to let our consciousness like breathe. And, you know, we would just went hiking, you know, a couple of days ago and just to be way out there and swimming and then like have my, my body against the warm rocks. It just resets me completely. And it's so important. It's so important. I feel that way too. Like it's a total reset, especially when there's that cold water element involved. Um, mm -hmm. That's so nice. It's so pleasant. And yeah, it's like a resetting and a recharging. Um, I was thinking too, I don't know if this is related to anything, but I'm going to go ahead and share it. Uh, just being back at, at Hartwood. And that's one of the, I've had a couple times in my life where I've had really strong guidance, like in, in talking about how I want to build my own intuition Mm -hmm. And I remember like I was getting ready to leave Hartwood and I'd been there for a while and I was up on the airstrip. So you're kind of like up high above everything. And I remember it must've been late summer cause there was like dry oats and everything was kind of brown the way California gets in the, in the summer. And, uh, and I was like, I don't know what to do next. Like, what should I do next? And I had this really strong voice that was like, go sit Vipassana. And I was like, what? I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, then, and then it was just, and it's, God, it's, I've had maybe three, three times like this in my life, I had this really strong like intuition. And it was, again, I was like, no, go sit at Vipassana. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. Um, but <laughs> I did. did. Like it? Cause I've, I've been wanting to do it as well. Like I've definitely had, have had the call 
mm-hmm. from time to time and I just haven't done it yet. Like how has your experience been with it? I've done a couple of them. I did two and then I served a course like way back. I mean, this was, yeah, like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like all the sitting just cause I, you know, I like to move. I'm a mover. Um, yeah. but I love like now, oh my God, I would love to go like be in silence for 10 days. It sounds mm-hmm. heavenly. Mm-hmm. And like, my goal is only to meditate. Like my life is a lot busier now than it was back then. Um, it just, it's more full with different things. You know, I have more responsibilities, I guess now. Yeah. It's hard um, to like take off. Yeah. Yeah. But al- although I say that and I'm like, well, actually right now, I don't have that much going on. I know, right? <laughs> I probably, let's go to a Vipassana retreat. <laughs> the, pandemic, cool. the pandemic is kind of like a uh, like worldwide mandatory Vipassana retreat. I know. It's true. That's a neat way to look at it. Like of yeah. how we can just, cause we are, I think we're all just getting a little bit more quiet and yeah, um, I've coming- actually had a really intense experience during the pandemic. I, I remember talking to you about it during that hike. I was like kind of in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. When we went on that other hike where yeah, I remember so much like came to the surface. It was really interesting. And like, usually if I'm having like a feeling like, you know, anxiety will come up or maybe a little sadness and I'll just like go hang out with friends or I'll go to the gym or, you know what I mean? And then the feeling sort of goes away. But the fact that like I'm by myself, there's nothing I can do to distract. I was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to like lean into it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I just leaned into it and felt the feelings as much as possible. And oh my God, I was like writhing around the floor and like crying and like so much like came out, but it was so good. Like all kinds of old stuff, like childhood Mm. stuff. I would just like, as I would feel the feelings, I would like sort of see whatever memories would pop up. And then as I like a memory would pop up, I would just try to like live that memory as, as fully as possible and feel all the feelings. And so much came out. And then like after like a week and a half of that, like I felt amazing. <laughs> that week and a half was terrible. I, like, when I saw you, I was like, oh my God, I'm on the most, I'm, I'm having the biggest like emotional hangover right now. But yeah, that's first. intense. Well, yeah. And it sounds like you have the capacity to, to manage and to handle that though, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, because I think people are having these kinds of experiences on some level or Exactly, because I've been talking to friends and whatnot, and they're like experiencing this and they just don't know what to do. They're like, oh my God, I have so much anxiety right now and I don't mm-hmm. know what's wrong. I'm, I'm coming out of my skin. And I try to tell them like, well, you know, <laughs> lean into it and see what memories pop up and try to feel it as much as possible. But it, that doesn't sound, it sounds counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Like you, you kind of feel like, oh, I want to make the feeling go away, but right. I really feel like the best thing to do is it wants to like be felt and to like evaporate. Like it wants yeah. to come up and out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I love the parallels because with the, this is what I do all the time with the somatic experiencing work is feel what's happening, which, but I think if you're not used to that, and we've talked about this before too, because we're never really taught how to do this and we're not mm-hmm. taught it in school, you know, our, our parents most likely didn't know it. Um, yeah this idea of like feeling even when it's uncomfortable and really engaging your senses. Like you're saying, like if it's a memory, just fully like engage all of the senses and be present with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's difficult, you know, to even explain some of that, like just lean into it. And people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. yeah like I don't want to <laughs> feel you- it more. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause I think we're scared too. I was just talking about this with the um, Charlie on the way out podcast of, uh, like it threatens to sort of overtake us if we don't have the capacity to like contain it. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So I think like having the idea of like containment and as part of the work I do is like, how can we sort Mm -hmm. of contain some of these things so that it becomes okay to feel, you know, to feel in our bodies. Um, But that's neat that your experience too was so visceral and physical and you're writhing and crying. (laughs) It's just coming up. (laughs) It was so intense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's like not my, that's not my thing at all. Like I never cry. Like crying is so challenging for me. That's probably why I needed to like go through that as well. Yeah. You went for like eight years without crying or something. Uh That's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy, but that to me seems, I don't, I like cry often. (laughs) Yeah. challenging. Do you feel like since you had that experience um, recently that you, that it's easier to cry? To be honest, yeah, a little bit. Like, it's still challenging, but I was watching something on TV and it was like super sad. Hmm. And I can feel myself start to cry a little bit, which is unusual. Like, I never like cry because of something on, on TV. Um, so, yeah, it definitely opened up in there a bit. That's neat. Since then. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know you did a little bit of um, EMDR too. I just wanted to ask you about that. Oh, that's, yeah. A lot of people are sharing with me about that. And I know a lot of my colleagues in the SE training do EMDR, but I'd love to hear your experience with it or anything you have to share around it. Yeah. So when I was about five years sober, I started like having like these uncomfortable feelings. And I was like um, feeling like I was coming out of my skin and that there was something wrong and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. and um so I redid the steps and I can't, went back to the trauma so that trauma that I shared with my sponsor like like sharing it was enough at that time to like mm-hmm. move on with my life but then it came up again it needed to be worked on and so at that time I was at UC Irvine and I got free therapy which is amazing and yeah. then they referred me to an EMDR therapist and you know, I, you know, I don't practice EMDR or whatnot, so I'm going to just share as far as my experience with it, but Perfect. it was so helpful to me in the way that, so the way it, we didn't do the eye, so it's called um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing is what it stands for. And so what it does is like, you can use your eye where you go your eyes back and forth, sort of move your brain back and forth to each hemisphere. But what we did is I used two things in my hands. So it would go buzz, 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 buzz. And then also we had headphones. So it would go beep, 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 just to like bring you back and forth. Mm -hmm. So anyways, what that did for me is like having experience in meditation, it brought me into the place of the observer. So it brought me into that meditative state where I'm not my mind, I'm not my body. I'm just the observer of this life experience. Mm. And from the observer point of view, there's no judgment. There's no like, oh, this is a bad experience or this is a good experience. Like the observer is like, experience is this experience. And so to be able to unpack a trauma from that perspective, uh, just made it so much easier to like not get emotionally involved. You know what I mean? And you can just unpack it and it helped like be able to remember it more fully and in a way that's like very calm and untriggering. Hmm. That's lovely. I'd like to, yeah, I've heard of so many good things about EMDR and it's, um, I think it can be kind of a compliment to SE or, or work in a little bit yeah. of different ways. And I think you were one of the first people to actually tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Cause this was like, uh, probably like seven years ago mm-hmm. uh, that I did it. And then the thing is that it's pretty fast too. I mean, for me anyways, like 
like I feel like talk therapy you can talk about it for a, a long time but right. like I don't know it was like probably like eight sessions or so and I was all set <laughs> yeah yeah I remember you were like yeah I don't need therapy anymore I was like what yeah <laughs> is that how it works I like I totally unpacked it and like you know and I felt you know complete around that experience hmm. like I didn't feel like it you know because like before it was inside of me and it would create like little earthquakes like hmm. I said like when I first got sober it was like try to come up and out and then and then it was happening when I was five years sober like it was starting to create create earthquakes again so then like when I really went in there and started unpacking it you know I let it like out and to like breathe and to like fully experience it then it kind of like you know could go dormant and actually that's when I like started having the, the intense spiritual experiences when I uh, started doing the Reiki with my friend Mel and like had like, you know, met my spirit guides. Like I had like this floodgate open hmm. and I really feel like that was part of it that by me, like digging so deep within myself that it allowed these other experiences to happen. Like there was, there was gifts in me like facing these hard things by like digging in and unpacking these really challenging traumatic things. It opened up a pathway like where I, totally had another like incredible experience spiritually yeah, that's, that's beautiful I, I i think it almost like opens up more space in us or that it's like sometimes with those traumas or perceived traumas or even that like chronic stress pattern that we can get into i almost feel like we sort of lock these areas away you know mm -hmm. behind like a tight metal door and as we start addressing them or feeling them it's like we're opening the door and then all of a sudden there's the space that can like reintegrate and allow for more movement to come through and more connection to come through. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. exactly. It's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, it's really lovely. And I think that all is just bringing us back into like our essential selves and who we actually are like as beings on mm -hmm. the planet and mm -hmm. not so much dictated by like what we think or our fears or our past traumas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so with the Shiva Murthy, do you, I know you do it in conjunction with deep tissue, but I know you've done like some distance healing, I guess, with the, with the picture. Can you talk a little bit about how that works? Yeah. So I can use a photograph to do healings and, um, you know, energy is energy. So it doesn't really matter like where you are, the energy knows where to go. Hmm. And yeah, I've had incredible um, results with using photos, especially too, because I can really let go. So the idea of Shiva Murthy is like, I'm not, not actually doing anything. What I'm doing is like, I'm the, the core that's plugging into the energies mm -hmm. and the energies are coming through me into you. So the more I like sort of let go and allow the energies to come through, the stronger it is. So sometimes when I have like a photo and like, cause you know, like my mind comes in and get, I get a little self-conscious and whatnot. So, but when I'm alone, like, I just like, whoa, you know, like really, <laughs> I really get into it because I'm not worried about like a client being like, what are you doing? <laughs> so it's really powerful to work on photos too. That's neat. Yeah. yeah. And you can work on animals. I had someone call me that had uh, his poor little puppy had a herniated disc mm. and like he couldn't jump up on things and he was really having a hard time, but he was too old to get surgery. And so, yeah, I worked on him. I mean, I didn't make the herniated surgery, uh, the herniated disc go away, but like the pups out of pain now and you can jump up on things and you know run around and whatnot yeah that's so exciting that must be yeah. uh it does it feel different to work on an animal or a picture of an animal versus a human 
I don't know. It doesn't feel different, but I feel like animals may be a little bit easier to work on mm. because their sort of lust for life, you know what I mean? Their um, will to live is like really strong, you know what yeah. I mean? So like, I, I think that like sort of adds to it. I can imagine that. I was just looking at a dog hanging out of a window yesterday when we were driving back. I was mm-hmm. like, dogs are so good at joy, um, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they are. They're just enjoy, I think, 90% of the time or 85, high percentage, higher than humans. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would be so neat sometimes to be a dog for like a day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I know. If you could be an animal for an afternoon, what, what would you pick? I don't know. When you just said that, a parrot popped into my head. Really? A why. parrot? Oh, I don't know man. why. Like, maybe to <laughs> fly around and to look all beautiful and gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of parrots here in my neighborhood. That's why I was surprised. And somebody on oh, next really? door is like, they're, they're probably they're so annoying. They're taking over, which they kind of are. There's a, there's more of them every year. <laughs> but yeah, they're cool. They're, they're green. They're intense that they're, you know, their sound. <laughs> yes. And I've heard that they are, have like intense personalities. I had a patient who told me they had parrots in like a big indoor cage type of thing, like a big, huge one though. That was like their whole outside area. Um, and she said they would have like a fight club and they would stand in a circle and then two parrots in the middle would fight each other. Mm-hmm. Um, which <laughs> <That's wild. laughs> I know that's sort of that sort of colored my view. Of parrots. <laughs> You're like a parrot. You want to be a parrot? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, sorry, I was like totally judging your choice immediately. <laughs> like that's choose something else. <laughs> Uh, no, huh. I mean, a parrot sounds great. Um, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. On. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Moved on. Um, no, I think to fly would be pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so I like to offer people a platform. If there's anything that you'd like to share with the listeners um, about Shiva Murti or about sobriety or um, anything that you are currently offering or like to pitch or anything like that, feel free to really whatever, feel free to share. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, as far as Shiva Murti goes, like uh, it's been an incredible journey. The thing too that I recognize too is when I was in Bali studying with Ratu Nave, uh, it was like being in like a different dimension, being a different world only mm. because you know, our minds get sort of used to our surroundings and our routines and to be in a a culture and a world that was so beyond anything my mind knew, um, like my mind couldn't like make a reference. Mm. So when it stopped being able to make a reference, it sort of fell away. And then I was like fully in this moment that made it feel like another dimension. Mm. And so I think it's important to remember that like the world is so magical like we get used to this idea that reality is standard. You know what I mean? Like I have my job and I get in the car and I go to the store, blah, blah, blah. But like to really like just step back and be like, we are these crazy like mammals, like exploring this planet with how many different species of animals and insects and plants, this planet that's like hurtling through space and time, like at these crazy speeds, like, oh my God, this, this existence is crazy and magical. And mm-hmm. So like, I feel like it's always important to remind myself of that. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as plugging, I, I mean, I have a website where people can find me and that's at uh, JMS, my initials, 
uh, for the number four healing.com. So JMS for healing.com. Cool. And I'll make sure you put that in the show notes. Um, and I love what you just said. That's, it's so true. And it's so easy to get distracted from it or to even think that that's like silly of like, Oh, what do you mean? We're magical. But like, of course we're magical. I mean, it's, and again, like even with the Qigong, I feel like having this practice again has brought me back to some of that. Cause it's like when you think about sort of, you know, I like to close the practice with gathering chi and like pouring it over your head and letting it come mm. down like a waterfall. And it's, it brings me back almost every time to like, wow, we get to be part of this planet with so much beauty and so much available to us. And just to tap into that energy instead of like, how many articles can I read about all the horrible things that are happening and not to like ignore yeah. what's happening, but yeah. also I think we can, we can respond better when we come from a place of, of being full of like what mm -hmm. we actually are. And then it's like when these terrible things happen, we can, we can like hold both of, of this, this is happening and it makes me uncomfortable. And also like, I'm this grounded, magical, like human here. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I think it's really important to note that like being magical doesn't mean that you're like not also present. I mean, for me, especially with yeah. being sober now and all the SE, I'm like, I'm, I feel more present than ever. And, um, like really pretty magical most days. So <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have friends like you who remind me of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you too. I yeah. like really cherish our friendship. Yeah, I know. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, I know. I feel like we could like go on for a while and tell stories, but um, maybe we'll have to do round two and we could yeah. talk about Kalalau and other stuff. Oh my gosh. Um, that's right. Yeah. Let's do it. But thanks so much for coming on. I'm glad we uh, took the time to do this and yeah. Yeah. It was so it, fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, and so, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And I'll post Jason's info in the show notes. Definitely check him out. He has a really neat video on his website too. It's just a, maybe two minutes or something like that. It's short, um, but it shows him in Bali doing some of the, the Shiva Murti work with his teacher there and also shows him working with clients and talks a little bit more about it. Um, so that's a really neat way to, if you're interested, just to hear a little bit more and to see him working in some different environments. I've actually sent that to quite, uh, quite a few of my clients and my patients as well. It's really, it's a nice video to watch and to further introduce yourself to the work. So definitely check that out. And thanks for being here, Jason. Thanks, Alice. I'll see you later. See you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>